And never to be repeated phenomenon. Unmasked. Legends of rock in their own lifetime. Kiss continue their amazing theatre of sound with Unmasked, their latest album, including Shandy. And their latest single, Talk to Me. Kiss, the rock and roll phenomenon with Unmasked, a magic album from Polygram Records. All right, Kiss Army. You wanted the best, you got the best. Now close your eyes. You're about to be podcasting. Hello and welcome to your podcast. This is episode 31 and my name is Gary Schaller. And this is James Hager. And it's April of 2010 kind of quiet in KISS world right now as they're gearing up for the European tour. But what we want to do is go back in time 30 years to an album that came out in 1980. Of course, KISS Unmasked. We're going to have a lot of good music for you, some demos, some live stuff. First, what we want to do is share with you a roundtable discussion that we had. We have, in this roundtable, we have myself, Gary, our good friend Ken Mills, Mike Mariocker, and Jeff Guthrow. Uh, these are big contributors to our show, and we're happy to have them. Uh, we basically go through the album track by track. We talk about the good stuff, the not good stuff. We give our opinions and we play some music. So without further ado, here's our roundtable discussion on Kiss Unmasked. We're going to be talking about the Unmasked record from 1980, a hotly contested album. One of my favorites, but not everyone's going to agree. We've got Ferk, myself, we've got Jeff, we've got Ken, and we've got Mike. And so we're going to go around in that order, and we're going to first kick it off by talking about how you were introduced to the Unmasked album and what you thought the first time you saw it and heard it. The first time I heard the Unmasked record, I was actually a freshman in high school, way back in the old year of 2000. And uh, a buddy of mine who was in a Spanish class with me was a big Kiss fan. and So he brought me uh, three cassette tapes. One was uh, Gene Simmons' solo record. One was Peter Chris's solo record. And one was Unmasked. And... Uh, after the, the shell shock that was Gene and Peter's solo records, I, uh, I put on Unmasked, and I didn't know what to think at first. You know, it was, it was like, this, this is Kiss? Because at the time, all I had was, you know, Psycho Circus, Destroyer, and, uh, and Alive, and I think Creatures of the Night as well. So it was really strange hearing Unmasked, and I gave it a, a few spins, and I didn't really care for it at the time, and, you know, gave his cassettes back to him, and... A couple years later, I was in an old record store in uh, in Lexington. I forget the name; it's not there anymore. But uh, and I saw Unmasked there, and it was used like three bucks or something like that. And I picked it up, and and it's really it's grown on me since then. And it's just a great, great pop masterpiece of a record. Cool. Unmasked is a very important Kiss record for me for a lot of reasons. I became a Kiss fan right after Unmasked came out. And my reason for becoming a KISS fan in the first place really has more to do with comic books and, and Star Wars than it does with rock and roll music. I, I, the only music I listened to was music from movies, and m more of the time was spent reading comic books and playing with toys. And the only reason that I got into KISS in the first place was because they appeared to be that kind of franchise. They were, it, was, it was a music thing, and then there were toys, and there were uh, puzzles and games and all that stuff. And, uh, and in particular, the fact that Unmasked was the new record on the shelves at that time, that was an album I would gravitate toward because it had a big comic book cover. So, you know, for me, that was how I wanted the band to be. I wanted them to be this band, like on the album cover, that had adventures together and they, uh, you know, they were kind of comic book superheroes and that's who they were in the color forms. That's who I wanted them to be. Um, so my first time hearing Unmasked, I, I really enjoyed it. I didn't realize that Peter wasn't on it. I didn't know all the politics and all the kind of drama behind it. Um, for me, it's just a very fun rock record with a lot of really good songwriting and performances on it. Um, but more on that as we go. Okay, so for me, uh, when did I buy Unmasked? Well, I have to say I never did. So... Uh, my time in KISS, when I first started or got into KISS, was in 75 and the Alive era and stuff like that. And then by the time uh, that album came out, for me, it was pretty hard to compete with the Back in Black from ACDC at that time, which was uh, basically at my time rock of my world. So I'd have to say not much on, on Masked. Um, 
we'll talk more about it there, but uh, I can't say that I've even heard the whole album fully through. So, Jeff, do you do you really do you still not yes. own a copy? Wow, I have a copy digitally. Okay. I never did buy a copy of it. So at, at that time, Gary, I was starting my own band and trying to get my own thing. Right. Uh, going there, but it, uh, so concentrating on like writing my own songs. Right on. But th- at that time would have been a time where, like after like when Dynasty came out, you know that's when I was starting to. I never did. Can't say I fell right out of Kiss, but they definitely faded more in the background. Gotcha. For hey. me. What about you, Jeff? Je- Jeff, I was wondering how old were you at that point in 1980? Uh, Twenty. Twenty. Okay, that makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, uh, they've done it. I was a fan, you know, for five years or whatever since '75 September. You know, went through those albums too and destroying all the first albums. Uh, um, you know, Love Gun, um, Rock and Roll Over, and then after that, though, you know, as you grow, your tastes start to change somewhat too. That time was a uh, newer music was starting to come in also. Right, right? at that very time. I think they called it new music at the time, didn't they? Yes, yeah. new wave. Well, there was new wave pop. New wave, that's right, new wave. Yeah. The pop. new wave British so invasion. That, right, that took over. But to be honest, I couldn't, you know, like, I remember it, and it's like, oh, yeah, that album. For me, no, it didn't, it didn't do anything for me. It's nothing like what I first got into Kiss for. But I, so, hey, Jeff, I've, I got to say, Jeff, you're right, actually, because I, I just bought a Time magazine from 1983, and they they actually did refer to it as new music and they were talking about um i mean they were talking about new wave bands but i think they might have right. used those terms interchangeably they were talking about um uh men at work and they referred to them as yep. new music yep yeah 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 the well yeah the police was out by then you know and i, I think they came up like that. 78 and i i mean i hear some of that on this album but we'll talk more about yep. that when we get there right right and ken what about you you had a kind of similar experience jeff didn't you well, yeah, but before we do this, I want to make an appeal to all the podcast listeners and podcast staff. I think that we need to pass the hat tonight and buy Jeff a copy of Unmasked. Oh, yeah. I think it's, it's, it, this is what we have to do. I agree. Um, what, like an album copy? Because <laughs> I want the album copy and signed or something. Oh, well, you're not too <laughs> picky. Go for the throat. No, I'm not too picky. <laughs> I'll, no, sign I'm not I'll sign it for you. Yeah, yeah. Sure. We will so start. you're the guy who's forging jeans. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Same initials. Okay, here's 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 Ken's story. Uh, I'm gonna go back a little further than Unmasked. I'm gonna say that uh, you got to realize when Alive Two came out. To me, side four of Alive Two was like my banner. Um, everybody that was starting to bail on Kiss through. Uh, the, the Phantom and the solo albums and and Dynasty, you know, prior to Dynasty, I was telling people, listen to side four of Alive 2. This is what you're going to get, you know, and we'd see like the return of Kiss. No one knew it was going to be Kisco. And so that was kind of rough. It was a fun tour and show and everything. And then we come to Unmasked. The, the thing that strikes me the most about Unmasked is that my girlfriend at the time, it was the only Kiss album she liked. That kind of told me something was different in the land of Kiss. Now, at the time, I was kind of like almost scared of the album. But I've come to the point where I realize that there's some incredibly great pop stuff on there. And even more to the point, when I listen to some of the songs, I hear things like the spinners, the four tops, and the temptations. It's almost like a hard rock version of of the temps at time. I mean, even lyrically and like the hand clapping and stuff, the you know, the back and forth with the chorus and and all that. It, it, Definitely. That's all there. And uh it was just a very strange thing. Um, I, and I think Mike's next. And I think Mike will tell us that he was introduced to the Unmasked album through buying the Chew Bops. Is that correct, Mike? Yeah, uh, I remember being at the store with my mom doing grocery shopping. And there was this little rack of uh, these little mini square albums. They were probably, what, less than four inches square probably more like three inches. And 
I saw Kiss on that, and I, I picked it up, and it couldn't have been more than like seventy-five cents at the most. But uh, it it, uh, it was sealed in plastic, and it said Chewbops, and there were other ones in there. There were Fog Hat. Had one. I, I think I even bought the fog hat one just to have another one. <laughs> but uh, you you opened it up. It had a like a, a gatefold, and you had lyrics. And uh, you actually there was a there was a uh, a thing in there that you could fill out and join the Kiss Army, wow. which I did at that point, and I got a response about six weeks later saying that the KISS Army did not exist anymore. Wow. <laughs> uh, but what they sent me was they sent me a black uh, unmasked T-shirt and a large uh, KISS Army iron-on, which I ended up putting on the back of the sh- shirt. But that was, they, they said, because you had spent $6, uh, we don't want to leave you. I, I should have kept it. I, 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 may, I may even have it somewhere, but I have a long form letter signed by who was ever running the KISS Army prior to that, apologizing that I had sent $6 to something that did not exist anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mind the album at the time, and actually I, I liked uh, Elder when it came out too. I just thought, well, this is where they're going now, I, and I just went with that. I found your view, Gary, interesting, that when you came into it, KISS is right after that. And how your view of Kiss was the merchandise and stuff and all that too, right? Well, I recently had someone on one of the message boards tell me that Kiss is not a franchise, or oh, should come. not be a franchise. And I, I like the franchise aspect of it. I mean, it yep. doesn't doesn't mean I go out and I'm going to buy every. I mean, I really actually don't buy very much Kiss stuff at all. I, I bought some of the cards last year and I enjoyed those a lot. For me right. though, that's I don't think I would have gotten into them otherwise, just because. Wow, that's what mattered yeah. to me was was having that kind of like multifaceted experience that I was having with Star Wars and other things. Like- At this point, every band has a franchise. I mean, people can point to ACDC all they want, but at this point, you see an ACDC logo; it's the same thing as seeing a Harley yep. logo. Yep, you know, clearly and- recognizable right away. Yeah. And they're they're on everything from underwear to dog collars. So yep. how is that any better or different? Yeah. And the worst part is half the people that are wearing the shirts or whatever don't even have a clue of the music that they've done. Are you telling me that Miley Cyrus isn't into Iron Maiden? I'm just throwing that out there, Cam, and see if it sticks, my man. Yeah. Well, that's an interesting point. One of the things about what was going on, you know, you speak about new music. Let's take a look at what was going on in hard rock at the time. Right. You had uh, Back, in, uh, Back in Black by ACDC. One just huge back Great then. record, great record. Pivotal album in history, just it, yep, it's 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 a monster. Yep, you had Judas Priest; uh, they were coming to the forefront, and uh, you know you had Iron Maiden popping up. You had uh, Def Leppard's first record, exactly, and yep. then there was uh, Black Sabbath with Heaven and Hell and stuff like that. So around those around that time, you know, you had the ascension of Van Halen, ACDC, all these other bands. Yep. And they were setting a new tone. They were taking it up a notch, and Kiss is out there playing pop. So it was kind of hard for us Kiss kids at the time because, you know, you'd go to a party and you'd like, you'd take along your copy of Unmasked, and people would be like, ACDC's not coming off that turntable. <laughs> I'd be, I would have been one of those guys, Ken. <laughs> right. And, and the thing is, is that, uh, it wasn't until Creatures of the Night that basically I could approach a party and say, put this on, and people yeah. would hear those massive Eric Carr drums, and yeah. the story had changed. Yeah. You mean they didn't want to hear Fanfare? No. Oddly enough, that's not a big party tune. <laughs> you haven't been to one of my parties, sir. You oh, okay. they didn't want to hear Odyssey? Fan, fanfare and Viking helmets? Man, it goes together like peanut butter and jelly, let me tell you. <laughs> All right, so let me ask you this. Since we now know what the circumstances are, you know, everyone getting this record, has it held up over the years? Um, I think I like it better now. I listened to it right before we did the show, so I was, you know, fresh with everything. I think I like the record more now than I ever had before. I can say this, and it might uh, raise a few eyebrows. It's my favorite Kiss Studio album. 
Wow. Is it really? It really is. Wow. It really is. But, I, I, I mean, that's a hard one for me to say because it, it's difficult to say that in a world in which uh, Destroyer and Creatures of the Night exist. Um, and I, I, I toggle because I think that Destroyer and Creatures of the Night are amazing albums. Unmasked still, still might be my favorite. Psycho Circus is mine. So, <laughs> Wow. Then that was your first, right, James? A- absolutely. And Gary, was <coughs> Unmasked your first? It actually wasn't. Uh, my first was Gene's solo album followed by Alive. And then okay. se- several albums later it was Unmasked. But, I mean, I had Creatures before I had Unmasked. I had The Elder before I had Unmasked. But, oh, okay. okay. Yeah, it was down the line. But, yeah, yeah I st- I, man, it's something about well, it. I don't know. It's just... I think it's a great record, but I—I'd have to say, in my view, in my life, no. <laughs> Again, no. But as getting older, right? I can't say that I don't appreciate. I've heard Shandy like throughout different videos and things that have come out, and you know that can grow. And yeah, I don't mind Shandy now, you know. But back then, when I was twenty and stuff, you know, no, that wasn't for me. Yeah, now I can appreciate it. I remember Talk to Me, I believe, or something <laughs> like that. But no, yeah. I'd have to say no. In my view, but that's yeah. just mine, right? Well, my my enjoyment of the album has definitely gotten better over time. As we get into each album track and discuss those, I'll I'll discuss things that I like and things that I dislike. But there's some absolutely great singing on this album. Yes, there's two things I want to talk about: the cover <laughs> and the poster, and are there hidden clues on it? Uh-huh. Number two, uh, did you know that Peter wasn't on it? When you heard it, well, now with Ferk, for example, he's a he's now a, a historian of history, so he had the benefit of looking back and knowing it in advance. Right. But I'm telling you right now, right, right. I thought that Pete really was like revitalized or something because I had seen him on the Dynasty tour, right, right. And it was kind of sloppy, and I'm right. not bashing Pete. You know, it was just. The band would like speed up and slow down, and it was like, wow, he's got like incredible timing on this album. But I found it very strange that for the first Kiss album, that he didn't have a vocal, and we didn't find out until Kiss wanted us to find out that Eric Carr was coming in. I knew, but you know. So you knew when you bought it that it was uh, Anton Fig. Yeah, well, you have to remember the thing that, that that got me to be a Kiss fan was uh, Kiss Extreme Close Up. Yeah, I didn't know it was Anton Fig, but I knew that it wasn't Peter Chris. And what a great job Anton does! It's really yeah, I'd say so oh, too. Yeah. Unbelievable. Right and it was one thing before where we'd have like studio musicians every so often, but like you take a look at Shandy, and, and we're going to get to that. The only Kiss member on that is Paul, if I'm correct. Yes. Right. So we've got this record, there's 11 songs on it, and the first song is Is That You, which was not written by Kiss, and to find out a little bit about that song, we're going to take a trip down to Abner's Laboratory. Oh, Abner Devereaux, sure. Well, this Abner Devereaux, where can I find him? His workshop's located underneath the Sky Tower. You mean underground? Yeah, way underground. I'll just activate the elevator mechanism. You step inside. Tonight, we're going to hear the original demo for Is That You by Gerard McMahon. Vinnie Poncia heard this demo and brought it to Kiss, who liked it just as much as Vinnie did. Gerard once referred to Kiss as groundbreaking rock theater at its best. So without further ado, the original demo for Is That You?
you it's it's a good opener i th- i think for the album it really sets the the pace of the record it it kind of gives you a a taste of things to come uh, i think it's good it's not my favorite on the album the harmonies are great um i don't think it worked live very well i didn't care for it on the unmasked tour i don't think that uh it had the same polish that it did on the record but a very good song to me, it's one of my favorite uh, songs on the album, and I'd really like to hear the current lineup do this song. I think it would sound even better than on the Unmasked tour. I think it would sound way better. Do you think they would do any of that? I would I would love it. I think it'd be awesome to have them do this track. I think it'd be killer. It would blow everyone's mind. Jeff, let me ask you something. I know that this is not a record that you, ha- you have any close feelings about, but when you watch uh, Kissology Volume 2, right, and you get the... Australia 1980 show. Are these tracks that appeal to you as part of the live concert? Uh, no, I'd have to say no. <laughs> it definitely had an impact on their live sound, right? It wasn't, I mean, yeah. if you listen to a 1980 Kiss concert, it doesn't have the same brutality yeah. of like 77, 76, right. 75. Right. And it, it was popular. Like the, the harmonies, they really focused a lot on making the vocal harmonies work live. Jeff, yeah. do you do you when you listen to a 1980 recording, or when you watch Sydney 1980, is it too much like the pop unmasked sound for you? Yeah, it's like their attempt, I guess, to try and do more pop or try and change with the times or something. Not not my favorite at all, but guys, <laughs> the guitars on this album, even live, did not have the same oomph that they had. In previous years, and that to me started on, think, on on the Dynasty tour. Okay, why do you think that is? I'm not sure. <laughs> well, didn't they say, going back in time, that they didn't feel that the, the studio productions were representative of what they thought they should sound like? But then, when you actually hear the live versions, 
they didn't sound that much different from the studio versions. That was my take on it. Here's what oh, I yeah. think. Here, here's my here's my theory on it. And you know, I mean, this is just me talking. People like to say that Gene went Hollywood. You know, around like the you know the Asylum Animalize era. I think Gene went Hollywood in 1980, and I think you can hear that. In, in a kind of weird way, it's not that he went Hollywood necessarily because they were still in New York and the record is a very New York sounding record, but he went glitz. Kiss went glitz. The record sounds like guys who hang out at Studio 54. It sounds like a bunch of dudes doing coke. It sounds like a bunch of people, uh, you know, uh, uh, drinking and partying, but not in a rock and roll way, in a leisure suit way. Well, yeah, I could agree the- with that. Do you think, Gary, that um, because they brought in Vinnie Poncia once again, do you think, well, obviously that had a big uh, impact of how it sounded, but do you think at this time that they were still trying to keep Peter, that they were still reaching out to Peter, bringing him in? Right. Someone that he like gets I along believe that or... that was uh, the case with the Dynasty album, mm-hmm. but at this point, I think that they saw what I mean. A lot of people might not be into "I Was Made for Loving You" for good or for bad, but around the world, that brought some serious bank into the Kiss bank accounts. You know what I'm saying? It 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 was a serious shaker, and a lot of people that were never Kiss fans before were now coming into the tent. I mean, you take a look at the Australia footage; you'll see it. You know what I'm saying? It, it, It may have diminished in the states but around the world it was another thing and i think that unmasked was a, a valid attempt to, to try to do that again i yeah I, I i could see where you're going with that yeah that uh it worked and they were getting worldwide mass appeal why not try it again but here's right the, but here's the other thing about all of that right is that we like to think of Kiss as a hard rock band, and I think that they are a hard rock band. And if you listen, I mean, I, I, I think I love Unmasked, but it's not alive, right? And I know that. And I think every member of Kiss gravitates toward pop if left to their own devices. And I mean that because, you know, even Ace on his yeah. 1978 solo record. I mean, what is what's on your mind? That's a pop song, you know, speeding back to my fun. baby. Sort of fun too, eh? Very fun, very upbeat. Like yeah. that's not really a metal album. And and even like, you know, even Anomaly has a lot of pop on it, and that's not a criticism. Ace no. writes great pop music. And and, and and you're absolutely right. Um that is a pop album wrapped in a hard rock shell. Right. And uh you know, I always people will say is Kiss metal or not, and they bring up the fact that they did Unmasked and Dynasty as, as proof that they're not and stuff like that. But I look at I've always said that Kiss is a pop band that plays hard rock with the trappings of heavy metal. That to me sums up Kiss. If they could be any band in the world when they started, at least Gene and Paul, I would say the Beatles. They always talk about the Beatles on steroids or the Beatles mm-hmm. larger than life or whatever. And to me, that just – it makes a lot of sense. And I can see where they might have been trying to go. I mean at at this point, Jeff mentioned uh, the Rolling Stones. We had uh, the Rolling Stones. We had Rod Stewart. We had uh, Bowie even reach into that. Yep. Paul McCartney. Sure. Yep. With his Back to the Egg album doing uh, disco. Let's just right. be honest. It was it was something that was happening. Right. And even ELO. I mean, it was it was something that was happening with tons of bands. You had to look no further than the Bee Gees, who at the time, I mean, people talk about Kiss being the biggest band at the time. I'm sorry. It was the Bee Gees. They yeah, ruled at that time, yeah. everything. And and yeah. like Alice Cooper even said one time, and he sums it up for me perfectly. I listen to the Bee Gees now, and it's classic, beautiful pop music. But at yep. the time, I had to hate them. I was Alice Cooper. And that's the same way that I feel. Same I'm, way here, too. Yeah. <laughs> and, and now I listen to the Bee Gees. And it's awesome music. It's just great stuff. Some of them, some of it is, yes. Yeah, yeah. Well, not everything's going to be gold, you know. Right, right. Gene had said at that point in time that they wanted to become Super Kiss. 
And to become super kiss, you had to have mass appeal. So you had to take the music that they had before and uh, make it different to make a more mass appeal. To fit with the yeah, yeah to you had to you had to with what's going the, on at that time. Well, well, let me ask Ferk a question here because you know Ferk, your first Kiss record was uh, Psycho Circus, right? Yes, sir. And I feel like that was sort of Kiss's attempt at, at that kind of mass appeal that Mike's talking about. Um, you know, they, they, it was really they were trying to do like Destroyer too. Do you feel right. that having been introduced to Kiss through Psycho Circus? made it possible for you to to like creatures and unmasked and the Peter Chris record? I think so because you know a record like Psycho Circus has such a a wide variance in terms of what songs are on there, you know. You've got, right. you know, I finally found my way which really, you know, takes you back to the Peter Chris solo album type stuff and then you've got more introspective stuff like Within or um We Are One which, you know, will take you back either to Gene's record or even, you know, a little bit of Carnival of Souls. So I think that, you know, with Psycho Circus being my first record, it really prepared me for the wide variety of music that KISS has put out over the years. Right. Yeah, that's an interesting analogy, too, because you are right. It does very wide, and yeah, I guess it would influence you in that respect also. Track two, we have Shandy, uh, which I guess is the single from the album, right? And, and uh, yeah. 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 Big in Australia, very big in Australia. Yeah. So going yes. around, going around the horn here, Ferk, what did you, th- what do you think of Shandy? I think Shandy is best played acoustically, far and away better played acoustically than electrically. I, I, I love the original track. I don't, again, like is that you? I don't care for the way it sounded on the Unmasked tour, but when the Revenge lineup did it on the Convention tour, it's a downright crime that it was not done on MTV Unplugged. It sounded that great. And um, it's one of my favorite songs on the 2003 Symphony gig. Uh, when it's scaled down to an acoustic guitar setting, I think Shandy is one of their best tracks. I think yeah. it's a fantastic song. I think the songwriting is brilliant. And uh, I think they did a great job with it on Alive 4. Um, I love all the glitz. I love all the production. I think the guitar arrangement, um, you know, the kind of very lush uh very clean sounding guitar on the original recording is dynamite. And I think, uh, I think it's just a fantastic pop song. Jeff, what about you? Any, any feelings? Actually, actually this song, like I could say nowadays, I, I don't mind Shandy at all. Back then I wouldn't like, I can say I wouldn't like it or nothing like that. My view was very narrow, more narrow about music, but nowadays, yeah, it's a good song, and probably on the, as you call it, a live four, the Australia show there is where, you know, it came into where, you know, that sounded pretty darn good, and I agree, where acoustic, yeah, that's a good acoustic song. Ken? To me, this is uh, pop perfection. It's just one of those shimmering moments that that just stands out in history for me for what it is. I'm not saying it's like Black Diamond on Alive or Parasite, but it it has its own special place for me. And, you know, you guys know me. I'm a pretty big guy and all, but this song actually makes me cry quite often when I hear it. There's just something, there's a purity to it that just uh, gets me. Yeah, it takes me to a very particular time and place, and I mean, I think why this record is so dear to me is because it's it's a it's an album I can put on just about any time, give or take, and it will cheer me up. Um, and Shandy's part of that. How about you, Mike? How does Shandy work for you? Shandy for me is a, it is a very well structured, great pop song, and I I go with Ferk on this. I think less is more when it's stripped down. It seems more pure. Uh, the acoustic versions sound great i even like uh when uh paul did it just by himself with uh his guitar tuned down a little has has anyone by the way have, have people here done a side-by-side comparison excuse me of shandy and joe walsh's song tomorrow
it's a it's a not so subtle similarity. Let's just say that I'm not making any accusations. Okay. Right. I honestly don't think that Paul was going. I'm going to go get a Joe Walsh album that that this was not a hit on and rewrite. You know what I'm saying? You didn't, you didn't hear that interview after the solo albums. He goes, "My next album will be a, a Joe, Joe Walsh, Walsh cover album." album. No, I'm <laughs> but but I, I there's only so I, many uh, notes and all right. that. Right. I can agree, Ken. Just from writing songs myself, there's sometimes stuff I've when I've done that can sound similar to something else, but it doesn't mean that you took that song or you were writing in that vein or anything like that at all. Right. Right. I, I had a demo called Escalator to Heaven, and then... <laughs> freaking, you know, how did that go? I, I don't want to talk how, about it. How, how old were you when you wrote that? Because I was very young. Huh? Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so talk to me. Talk to me, people. Talk to me, Ferk. I think it's a a great great track. Actually, one of my one of my biggest disappointments is when I saw Ace in 2008 that he did not play "Talk to Me." Um, I absolutely love this song. When I first heard "Unmasked" back when my friend let me borrow that cassette tape in 2000, this was the standout song for me. "Talk to Me" was the one that I liked the best, and uh, you know Ace has been playing it here lately. I think. And, yes, uh, he has. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm really glad to hear that it's back in the set list and. Uh, Great, great track all around. Yeah, I hope I get to hear him play that. Um, I, I, I think I heard a little bit of Torpedo Girl uh, when I saw him a few years ago, and that was great. Uh, Talk to me is one of the strongest tunes on the album, I think, and not least of all because of the the great harmonies, but also the amazing drums by uh, Anton. Just the fills are just brutal. And in fact, we have a, a killer live version here from 2001 with a, a unique lineup: the uh, Ace Frehley, Eric Singer lineup. And this is from Tokyo 2001. Here's Kiss performing Talk to Me. Start to quiver and shake 
I would agree it's probably one of the better songs or the best songs. If I had to say on this album, it's one of the best ones out of it. It's more evidence to me that when anyone, you know, whether it's Gene or Paul or anyone, says that Ace wasn't pulling his own weight, developing as an artist, contributing right. effectively, you know, during his last days of Kiss, it's it's just not true. I mean, you listen to Dynasty and Unmasked, and he's just such a powerhouse. You know, I, I was burning a CD for my car of the Ace Frehley solo album, and I added all those tracks to the end of it. And it, they actually sounded pretty good alongside the 78 album. I mean, it's a, you know, it's the same lineup. That's the other thing. I mean, my one criticism of Unmasked is that it's not a cohesive album. It's a good record, but it's so not cohesive. And, uh, you know, I guess uh, taking those tracks by Ace and putting them with a 78 solo record, you are getting the same band, right? It's him and Anton. Right. So it, it makes Correct. sense. Yeah. yeah. Mike, what are your thoughts on this track? Yeah, that, I mean, I, I see where you guys are going. I mean, you could it could have just as easily been a track on his solo album. But at this point in time, it showed what he was capable of. And if, if Paul could do a Shandy... Here's Ace's answer to that. I can do that too, and it, it's a very strong song for him. Uh, I do enjoy, I do enjoy the uh, videos of it live in Australia on the Unmasked tour. Has anyone ever tried to teach a kid how to wink? Like, like yes, a, like a little kid how to wink. You know, yeah. Oh, just yeah. Oh, and they blink instead. Yeah, they blink instead. So, so everyone for homework should go watch the clip of Kiss the German. <laughs> On the German show, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah. Yeah, yeah, you know, you, you know where I'm going with this, right? Yes. What about Naked City? Naked City is a great, great song. I think it's definitely um, Gene's best song on the record. Um, which there's not a lot to choose from, but I would say Naked City is definitely Gene's best song on the record, and probably my second or third favorite on the record. I think it's an yeah, outstanding really? song. Whoever played the bass, the bass line is just unbelievable. And this is where that uh, that new music, new wave, whatever we want to call it, you hear that, uh, the the arrangement of the guitars, that jank, 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 you know, it's it's like Roxanne uh, by the police. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Gene may say what he wants about this record, but I don't care. I, I think that the songwriting here is amazing. The lyrics are great. The performance is outstanding. This is a standout track for me. Um, he does some stuff vocally that's just amazing. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I mean, Very he really hits some highs. Jeff, any Great thoughts stuff. on this on this track? Uh, I don't mind the song. Um, I hear what you say when you talk about new music, and it you're hearing some of that in there. I hear some of that. Harmonies, I don't mind on that. Harmonies are quite good in there. Not one of my favorite songs on the album, but talking about making new type music. I think if it had been a bigger song, I think you would have saw more of this type of stuff from Gene. All right, boys and girls. Grab your Kiss lunchbox. We're headed to Ken's Kiss cover class. Today's Ken's Kiss cover class, uh, we're going to look at Naked City, recorded by the band, how do you say it, Gary? Catharsis. Catharsis. <laughs> and featured on the French Kissin', a Kiss cover album with bands from Montreal, released in 1995 on Mother House Records in honor of Jeff, our fellow Canadian here, a uh, Kiss cover straight from Montreal. So there you go. Chacun dans son coin, chacun pour soi Je laisse tomber tous les masques ce soir Dans la ville, les bourgeois L'individualisme empêche de voir Et chacun s'engourdit en se perdant dans la nuit 
cherche pas la pitié dans cette ville solitaire. Quelque part sur un banc la nuit, le coup de foudre a encore fait son nid. Et moi je m'en tiens à mon rôle de voyeur. Adultère, impuissant devant cette réalité. Mais moi je dois vivre ma destinée. Ville solitaire, c'est le salaire de l'enfer. C'est l'angoisse et la misère. Y a-t-il pas de lendemain dans cette ville? And side one of the record wrap, wraps up with what makes the world go round, for which there was a promotional video film that was clips from, I think, their uh, Sydney show or maybe the Adelaide show. I'm not sure. Um, good song. Solid piece of pop. What do you think, Ferk? I think it's, it's a good song. It's one of the songs on the record that to me feel like they're filler tracks. Um, I like filler tracks, but in this case, great song, not my favorite on the record. Probably... Paul's weakest track on the record. Yeah, not a standout for me, although I will say that his guitar solo is excellent, excellent on this on this song. Um, Jeff, are you, uh, what do you feel about this one? Probably not, not a favorite? Well, no, actually, I don't mind this song so much. Some of these I'm actually going through again as you're speaking to, to gain knowledge again of what they were like. I don't mind this song. Again, this is the kind of thing you, you give it to the Temptations or the Four Tops or the Spinners. You got to hit. And if you go back to, I don't remember which podcast, which uh, which podcast it was. We had a great cover of this by. Um, oh no, it wasn't this. It was easy. Never mind. Never mind. It was easy as it seems. I'll, I'll get to that later. Mike, your thoughts on this song? It's a good pop tune. Another good pop tune, but I don't think it's one of his stronger ones. And uh, I, I could see it as filler to get to side two. Yeah. Right, and it doesn't. To me, it doesn't hold a candle to what side two starts off with, which is tomorrow. Oh, yes. pop perfection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 